everyone. This is referee Chad Peters, and you're listening to the Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast with your host, the world-renowned Johnny Cadillac. His guest this week is my friend, Mr. VD, Vic Douglas. You're going to feel the burn. It's time. Are you ready? Let's go. And welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And, uh, you know, I I try to keep as many unique guests to the show as possible. And then, you know, I think there can be some good conversations. And I I, I very mindful and uh, strategic in a lot of times and who I bring on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk and when I do based on, you know, a variety of things. But full disclosure, my guest today was was we we decided to bring you on at this time while celebrating the Steve's birthday. <laughs> my guest today is coming here to record this all the way from Walla Walla, Washington. VD Vic Douglas. Vic, first of all, how's your travels getting down here? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I'm not used to this snow. I could deal without it, but. Uh... Take it and leave it. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow, so I don't care. Oh, there you go. Man, that's <laughs> quite the tight travel schedule for you. Fly for you, off. Johnny Cadillac, I will come in, record the podcast, and then go on vacation. I mean, I already appreciate it enough when Coach Luis Cabrero <laughs> came uh, up here twice from Junction City, Kansas. But that was like three-hour at most drive. But coming all the way from Walla Walla, Washington, just to come in for this podcast and be- before going back to that, that side of the country for Vegas, that's... That's commitment, so I appreciate that. I'm a traveling man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in case you were wondering, you are not here via Zoom or anything. You're here in I am, studio with I am me. live in studio. I'm pretty excited about it. It's pretty cool. I took a disappointing pre-show poop. <laughs> Got the nervous gas going on right now. I've never done something like this. This is pretty cool. I'm excited. Well, I was a little nervous just by by use, using the word disappointing because i i gave you a a tour of the studio here no 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 the like, studio is very impressive the different uh, radio stations it was, and, uh... and then when you say i took a very disappointing i was like no i thought you were impressed and then uh, you took the course another way so. yes no it was i've done better <laughs> but nevertheless good to have you on thank and, you thank uh, you appreciate it i understand this is your your podcast debut in general this is i've actually been trying to get some friends to do a podcast for a while and they all keep turning me down but uh baby steps we'll start with this one okay. I, I like this so if you were to have your podcast what would your podcast be on like do you it's have like a, general a- just probably people bullshitting talking okay. back and okay. forth probably nothing in, in particular i mean there's probably some things I would stick to, like wrestling and yeah. uh, action figures or uh, uh, stupid stuff we've done in our lives, stuff like that. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, embarrassing it's, stories. It's something to consider for sure, and some honestly something to think about. I mean, for my whole thing is I've I've worked in radio for a number of years now, and more specifically, I've been working for the afternoon uh, time slot show here on KLIN for almost two and a half years i'd say and um yeah right at two and a half years now and uh and so i i it was just an afternoon it was a the show i did previous when i first started working 
as a producer was it was primarily it was a conservative news opinion talk show. Um, that would not be my bag. Key, keyword <laughs> was opinion. And so like where and we had somebody who was very involved in the NEGOP and very involved in the Republican Party. Uh, but he you know, wanted to expand and get opposing views at times. But then he didn't want to keep it to just politics all the time either. Like he's very, very political and very into politics. But, you know, he he wanted to have it as a bit more of a variety show at times, too. So, like, I've been his producer, and we got to know each other really well, and then he, he had Johnny Cadillac, the ring announcer, <laughs> as the, the guest and producer of the show. That was fun. So, like, there was definitely still variety to it, but it made me think. I was like, I want to do something like that, and I, I figured what I would do probably wouldn't be live radio. I'd love to work in live radio where having my own show, but I was starting to think. I was like, man. Someone would have to have the finger on their button the whole time, the censor button with me on live radio. Oh, well, I mean, that's part of my job here. I don't have to push the button very often. And there's certain curse words and stuff on live radio that, that we will get away with, but then there's ones that But then there's the seven, yeah, the seven dirty yep, words. Yep, yeah. those are the ones that pretty much it is what George Carlson, is that the guy's name? And George Carlin, yes. Carlin, yeah. I knew I was butchering his name, but yeah. That's pretty much what we stick to, the unofficial rule in our rule book like so to speak it's not written down but kind of what we stick to if you want to avoid the fines from the scc and exactly <laughs> and uh but anyway so i was kind of thinking i was like because you, you can't i can't help but to you know work on that show and and i was doing a couple different because there's a one shot one live show with doug fitzgerald here in klin that at the time was just just exclusive to klin and now it's a nationally syndicated show, so we don't do Facebook Live anymore for it. But at the time, we did, and we always put on Facebook Live, and I was always his Facebook producer. And so I was, I was seeing a number of a variety of guests just between those two completely different shows. And I couldn't help but think, I'm like, you know, I, I work in radio. I have a degree in broadcasting, and, uh, and I work as a ring announcer in MWA. I interview people there from time to time. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, it'd, it'd be fun to have my own show and immediately i just started thinking podcast and i was like what would i do and I, I remember pitching on facebook one night if i was to have my podcast who would be interested in it what should i call it because right now i'm thinking the johnny cadillac show <laughs> and my brother specifically was like you should do a podcast but with a different name <laughs> don't <laughs> don't call it the johnny cadillac show and so and then it was it was my best friend mike campbell who suggested hey let's play off of Caddyshack and call it Caddy Chat because you're Johnny Cadillac and that was the only suggestion I got and it worked and it stuck so here we are and the rest is history and but then it was uh, I eventually unbeknownst to my boss when I posted that about Facebook about wanting to possibly do my own podcast he came to me and he said I want you to start doing a wrestling podcast like there's an audience for it you know we're having these different initiatives here. I want to see how you are as a host. I want you to start doing your own wrestling podcast. And I was like, oh, perfect timing. It worked. Yep. And so, and, and I had my friend Doug Fitzgerald said, wrestling is what you're passionate about. Wrestling is what you're good with. You should have your show focused on wrestling. And, uh, and you know, where I do have interests outside of wrestling, but he's like, do with what you know. And it worked. So, yeah, that's something for you to think about. If you're to start a podcast one day, like, I'm all for variety shows. I know, like, you know, one of my podcast inspirations won 
Christopher Irvin, a.k.a. Chris Jericho, <laughs> has a show called Talk is Jericho. Where, I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah, he, he's a... Uh, <laughs> He has a fan or two out there. Maybe his own crews. I yeah, might be. from what I hear, a boat full of fans coming yeah, up pretty soon. Yeah, literally. I might, <laughs> I might, may or may not be on this big old cruise ship cruising the Gulf of Mexico here in a couple of weeks and not watching the Royal Rumble live. But um, just tell me you're wearing a speedo. <laughs> I mean, is there any other option? Not as far as especially, I'm concerned. Especially if you have a body like mine. Like, hey, if you're in international waters, just let it fly, man. <laughs> what happens in international waters stays in international waters. But no, it's <laughs> um but yeah, he I use him as an inspiration though cuz like obviously a lot of people who would listen to talk is Jericho listen for the wrestling standpoint, but he has a bunch of rock stars and he, he talks music, you know, paranormal things. It's definitely a variety show where I still try to stick to wrestling here, but you know, to each their own. So mm-hmm. something for you to think about for the future if you do start well, I'll have to listen to this one first because I've always been told I have the face for radio, but I don't think I have the voice for it. So oh. <laughs> I'll listen to this one afterwards and see if I want to go forward. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll just do a guest appearance on this one every once in a while. I mean, nobody's really ever told me that I have the uh, <laughs> the voice for radio. I have had people try to tell me I do have the face for radio, but I don't know. Like To me, like in broadcasting, I, I pictured someone with a real bass voice and a low voice. Those mm-hmm. are like the perfect voices for radio in which I do not have, but I do like to talk. So, <laughs> but all right. So that was a nearly 10 minute conversation about podcasting. Hey, there you go. Working radio completely unplanned, yep. but, uh, we are here tonight. You are making your podcast debut. This is it right now. Caddy chat wrestling talk yep. podcast debut. So let's Vic Douglas. I've worked with you for right around a year now. I think so. Yep. Yeah, I think was, the uh, the Rumble last year in MWA was my first uh, MWA experience as a wrestler. Yeah. I've been to several shows before that as a fan. So. Well, and we'll get into that, but mm-hmm. let's uh, let's backtrack quite a bit. All right. Um, because <laughs> one question I always like to ask guests first is like, where did wrestling fandom start for you? Where where did I'm a break the fourth wall a little bit? Where <laughs> did wrestling get introduced to Kevin Addison? Uh, it, it was my, uh, my dad and my uncle, they were huge fans. Uh, I remember my uncle telling me stories about when he was younger, he was, uh, at a sh- I don't remember where the show was, but I remember he said Andre the Giant was there and he was walking down the hallways, not paying attention, turned the corner and walked right into Andre the Giant's leg, oh. knocked him over. Not under the giant, my <laughs> uncle. I think my uncle said he was probably nine or ten, something like that. Not very old, but he walked right into the giant's leg, and down my uncle went. Uh, yeah, but did like, Andre even notice him? That I don't know. Okay, that, I, that I, I couldn't tell you about that one. Uh, and other than that, uh, my dad was into it, so it was if it was on TV, uh, we were watching at our house. Uh, always collected the figures, the old big rubber LJN things. We. Uh, we had those. The uh, I remember at times trying to actually get into the ring, screwing around and broke a few. Uh, yeah, I had all those figures, uh, the Ricky Steamboat one. We lost a bunch due to a, a babysitter's cat who uh, chewed the arms and legs off of a few. So we had some JYDs and Paul Orndorff's and Georgie Animal Steel figures with stumps instead oh, of man. legs. Uh, and then my brother was always into it too, and it was just something we we uh we enjoyed together we uh we wrestled quite a bit when we were younger i remember uh we had a bedroom 
that uh, we put our mattresses on the floor. We took them off the bed frames, just put them on the floor. And the the room was uh, shaped in a way to where we could put down two, I think it was either twin or full-size mattresses. And that was our ring. It fit between two walls. And I don't know how many times uh, we put holes through the walls, body slamming each other through the walls and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure we made our parents very upset a few times with all the loud noises. We would cut our own promos in between matches. There you go. We would take turns playing Mean Gene and uh, whoever, whatever wrestler we were pretending we were and we just beat the hell out of each other. (laughs) Did you you have days wrestling on a trampoline? Uh, No, we didn't do the trampoline, but... My grandmother lived uh, right behind the elementary school or where the track was, where I grew up in Wayne. Uh, so track season, they would put the high jump pit up or the, the mats or whatever. And after track practice and meets, my brother and I would sneak over, get on the, well, uh, the high jump mats, and that was our wrestling ring. There you go. Uh, I don't know how many times we got kicked off of that thing because we didn't wait for the right time and the track coach <laughs> would come down and yell at us. But... Uh, no, we'd wrestle on that do and do every move we could think of that we could do to each other. I don't know how many times we've been, I've been power bombed and gotten body slams, suplex, pile drivers on uh, the high jump pit, but uh, you know, it was a blast. All right, I'm so. going to jump ahead quite a bit because I have one wrestling-specific question, and then we're going to go back in time and talk more about your Hey, time travel is awesome. Let's keep doing but, this. Um, have you ever taken in any sort of realm or Way have you ever? Taken- I have never juiced. No, no. I, I am one hundred percent natural. <laughs> I have never juiced. That wasn't going to be my but, question. But thank you. I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, quite, quite, <laughs> quite the look there for you, and, and then you keep it all covered too. Yes, like, yes. But no, um, have you ever taken a Canadian destroyer or given a Canadian destroyer? Mm, I'm going to say no on that one. I don't think uh, when my brother and I were younger. Yeah, well, the I mean, Canadian when, when destroyer you, when, was when you were younger. Yeah, the Canadian destroyer was unheard of. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I'm I'm pretty old now. Now I mean, I mean I'm not an in ring wrestling veteran by any means myself. I've been. I in, don't consider myself a veteran at all either. I, I've been in the business for a number of years now, but yeah, I still you know people want to use the word like legend or whatever talking about Johnny Cadillac to each their own. I won't. I'll use legend for Johnny Cadillac. Well, thank you, but I, I try not to put myself over. Like I'm never. I won't. I don't ever want to come and tell you I'm a good ring announcer. I want you to be the judge of that. And by you, I mean anybody who sees me ring announce. Mm-hmm. But I want to encourage, so this is my my legendary advice to you that's not at all announced to me to give, <laughs> is to try to keep it that way. Never take a Canadian no, Destroyer? No Canadian Destroyer whatsoever because it's the most overused move. <laughs> and it, like I loved it when Petey Williams started doing the Canadian Destroyer in TNA. Loved it. It yep. was... It was unheard of. It's more than just a sunset flip, more than a sunset flip power bomb. In fact, you turn it into a pile driver, but then it's gotten so overused since then that it's it's not a spectacle anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where like if you keep it if you keep the magic there, keep it unique, maybe one other person using it here or there it isn't overkill. Yeah. But then you know, you're turning it into the next super kick and like and it still looks cool some of the times. But, like, I don't know, when it's just so overused and you watch, like, every other AEW match ever, especially <laughs> if it has Pentagon in it, and uh, it just, I don't know. I love I, I used to love a move, and now I just can't stand seeing it anymore because it happens too often. I don't think you have to worry about me. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, 
I consider myself a somewhat athletic guy, but I don't think I have the coordination for it anymore. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to encourage the next uh, Ryan Romantic Vic Douglas match. We No, I'm not going to encourage. Yeah, no. I let's, was going to say Ryan not... Romantic gives you the Canadian Destroyer. But no. Like, I mean, I have it on good authority that the next time you wrestle Ryan Romantic, that the time limit for that match might be in the seven-hour range. Like seven hours... Maybe still six hours, thirty-eight minutes, forty-seven seconds, somewhere along there. We will give the uh, the fans their money worth. We'll see if we can make it that last. Have, have you? How many matches have you been in that had a ridiculous time limit? I think every single one that you've announced, well, or at I, least a few. <laughs> I was gonna say I can. I know <laughs> two matches that you had a ridiculous time limit. That included seconds in it, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I was willing to bet you might not. I don't know if we can do seven hours, though. The last time I did anything for seven hours, it was a nap. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, and that's the thing is like full disclosure, because that, that's that's a fun staple that we've started using in MWA, specifically for matches. Well, all two of them that have been done were both you versus Ryan Romantic. We've had a few more and, than two, I think. Well, but where I gave the crazy oh, time limit, yes, it's yes. only been two. And for whatever reason, it gets over with the fans it insanely does. well. Um, the fa- they love to hate Johnny Cadillac, but the <laughs> moment I give it a ridiculously absurd time limit, they go nuts. Mm-hmm. And like it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But full disclosure, I'm announcing it here first. Well, not really announcing it because it's not an announcement. I will never... I'm going to try my best because I was already <laughs> joking about it, but I'm going to try not to start. I am never going to. Well, I'm I'll never... try my best. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. I My goal is to not ever say anything that involves seven hours because um, out of respect to one Jason Strife who did a seven-hour Ironman match. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. I, I don't even want to remotely <laughs> mess with that even as a joke. Yeah. So six hours, 59 seconds, or 59 <laughs> minutes and 59 seconds is the longest time limit that I think Johnny Cadillac will ever announce for a match. I'm okay with so, that. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, if we do that one second later, you're, you're talking nap territory, and mm-hmm. naps are important. I don't get enough of them, so <laughs> I'm going to not interfere with those realms with you. But, all right, so so you had a crazy growing up. So you were always a wrestling fan. Like, can you not really pinpoint one time that wrestling really stuck out to you or a match that stuck out to you like that started the fandom? I can't pick a match that started it. I know there's one match, in, or I can't remember if it was in a match right now, that was, a, it's, I will always remember it. Yeah, it was WWF at the time. Okay. Uh, it was when Jake the Snake Roberts had Randy Savage pinned in the ropes, and he brought out the Cobra. Oh, yes. And the yep. Cobra bit Randy Savage in the arm. Yeah, that was shortly before Survivor Series yep. 1991. Before the match made in heaven and the match made in hell and all that. Oh, but, no, it was uh, after the match made in was heaven. That, was that yeah. after? Okay. Because that's, I, to my understanding... To me, it's all a blur back I was then. a young... Like, I was not even... I think I just turned two years old at the time. I was young. <laughs> and uh, But you remember it. Well, yes, because I, I have a vast memory of wrestling. Though I... Uh, I watch a lot of history yeah. <laughs> when it comes to wrestling, not the history channel for the record, but, um, <laughs> anyway. And so what it was, I think what started that, what really started that rivalry was the wedding where of, the snake was, was in the, the present yep. where the snake was again. Yep. So, but yeah, I remember that because we were watching it uh, at my grandmother's house and she wasn't into wrestling. I mean, she let us watch it, but she could care less, but she right. just happened to be watching with us that night and she lost her shit like 
she saw Randy Savage tied up in the rope. The snake came out, and she had an issue with snakes anyway. So she gets up and storms out of the room. She's like, I can't believe you're watching this. And then about 10 seconds later, she comes running back in because she's got to see what's happening. And she (laughs) is freaking out, yelling and screaming, you know, not wanting. I mean, I don't think she cared any way about Randy Savage or Jake the Snake, but just the fact that, you know, her grandkids are sitting there watching Randy Savage getting uh, bit by a cobra. But I just always remember that grandma was very, uh, very special to me, very close. And that's just in and adding wrestling into that. That's just one thing I will never forget. So I'm assuming your grandma's no longer with she us. She is no longer with us. Yeah, okay. I've got her, her arm actually, ta- or her name tattooed on my arm, not her arm okay. tattooed on my name, but yes, her name tattooed on my arm. That's cool. So, and so, yeah, no, and kudos. No, I, I, I've shared the story, I think, once before on this podcast, maybe twice, but it did remind me of. It seemed like one person I know who, I'll say he likes wrestling, but he's the kind of casual fan where if he's channel surfing and wrestling's on, he'll stop. Yep. But the times where he stopped, and it was the worst segments ever, <laughs> this is my pastor, <laughs> and I remember one story specifically, it was, wrestling was on, so he stopped, and it was this guy in a cane mask with a coffin backstage with a uh, body in there, quote-unquote body, <laughs> of a woman named Katie Vick. And uh, he watched that and said he would never watch wrestling again. Mm-hmm. That didn't come to be the case. <laughs> and then the next story, I remember years later, again, channel surfing, stopped. Edge and Lita's live sex I was, celebration. I was actually going to ask if that was the <laughs> one he was, stopped on the yeah. first time. Nope. That was, I mean, and there was other instances, those are two that I remember off the top of my head, though. And, I mean, so nowadays, it, it's interesting because... My pastor, I will say my pastor's favorite wrestler, and he would have never heard of her if it wasn't for me because of my fandom and what he sees on social media. And when I, I met her on a virtual meet and greet once and Johnny Cadillac got to do an introduction for her was Rhea Ripley. And, uh, and so he wouldn't have known Rhea Ripley if it wasn't for me, but he's like, oh, she's pretty. So he started researching (laughs) Rhea Ripley and would look up Rhea Ripley stuff, and he became a fan, which is weird because, you know, she's the heel and everything a lot of times, and and she's, like, very goth and wears, like, the dark makeup and everything. And he was into her because I was. And and then he even (laughs) approached me a couple weeks ago. He's like, so I know her and Dominic aren't really a, a couple, but, like, She's married, and I was like, uh, "Last I knew, she was engaged to to you know, uh, Buddy Matthews, for, formerly known as Murphy." And I was like, "They got married? I don't know." And he like became so disappointed. I don't know if <laughs> he legitimately thought there was a future between me and her. And since he's known me most of my life, he's like all for it and getting the fandom of her ahead of time. You say so, I was uh, very crushed when Alexa Bliss got married. So, uh, yeah. Well, you weren't the only one there. <laughs> Shout out to my good friend Ryan Johnson who. I mean, at least for, to Ryan's credit, the the man she married is also named Ryan. But <laughs> but I digress. Um, okay, so wrestling was always a thing, and, yeah. and you were always a fan. And that one moment you remember and that, yeah, was was Jake the Snake. That was Savage one big thing, and, just because Grandma got so involved with it too. But yeah, I was always watching it uh, when my parents split. Whenever we went and uh, visited mom. She'd let us check out as many movies or rent as many tapes as we wanted, and we, my brother and I, always got wrestling tapes. We'd watch whichever pay-per-views we missed from the last two years or whatever it was, and 
We'd stay up all night just watching every single one of them. Shout out uh, to Blockbuster Video and yeah. Hollywood Video. There's a blast well, from the past. Yeah. And then uh, I remember uh, when I was younger, always staying up on Saturday nights, hoping for Saturday night main event. Okay. When the uh, cold open for Saturday Night Live always started, I was uh, disappointed. Although oh. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have been considering who the cast and stuff was back then. I probably right. missed some good shows, but... Yeah, always stayed up till ten thirty after the news, hoping to see Saturday night uh, main event, and yeah, it wasn't always on. It though. wasn't always on, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that was so. one. That was one of those things because I grew up mostly on WCW, and so when I did start watching WWF after uh, WCW closed down, and then they started bringing back Saturday night's main event, I always had it in my head that that was a weekly show. Yep. So it was weird to me that they were. Only doing like at most like two a year or two or three a year um, in WWE, bringing yeah. it back. Come to find out, it was just like Clash of the Champions. It wasn't yeah. on all year long. Yeah, and it didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if it was WWF or WCW. I, we watched that all the time, too. And I don't remember what promotion it was. Uh, maybe you know. It was always on ESPN after school. But uh, they had a guy named Mike Hickenbottom wrestle there. Uh, the Flamingo Kid, who later became X-Pac, was on there. The Patriots. This is like AWA stuff. It, it might it might have been. I don't remember what it was. I was... Or you know, maybe... I don't know if it like would be... Like 7 to World 10. Class championship wrestling. I don't know. It was, on, uh, it was on ESPN after school, so I would watch that when I got home, too. I mean, full disclosure, you are a little older than I am, uh, but... <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm in my 40s. I, I could tell you uh, that I was born in July of 1989... Fun fact, I do share <laughs> a birthday with this Hickenbottom guy you speak oh, of. Oh, really? Different years. Mm-hmm. He is a little older than I am, but we both have July 22nd birthdays. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like, I, I can't tell you like the wrestling that was going on right yeah. when I was born, but you you could be like, oh, I remember some of that stuff. Like, I mean, so I guess the first big pay-per-view that would have been after I was born was SummerSlam 1989. I was maybe a month old. Yeah. <laughs> Um, off the top of my head, I'm like, wait, so what happened? If I say SummerSlam 89 to you, can you pinpoint anything that happened at that show or any matches? I know I'm putting you on the spot, so it's okay if you can't. Was that uh, Savage and Zeus versus Beefcake and Hogan? That was it. Was that had to have been either 89 or 90? I, I, I couldn't tell you for sure which one, but I want to say it was to me it all runs era. together. I'm That's I'm horrible fair. when it comes to pinpointing dates and stuff like that. To me, it all just I will runs tell together. you this: the first WrestleMania of my life was WrestleMania six, which of course was was Hogan dropping the title to Warrior. So whatever the SummerSlam would have been before that. Um, yeah, that, no, it very well. Could yeah, that been probably would have been because Savage and Hogan, because you know that's coming off of WrestleMania five, where it was the two of them in the mm-hmm. main event, so yep. where Hogan won the title from Savage. So yeah, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you passed the put on the spot wrestling yep. quiz. I just inadvertently. At gave least you. I hope I got it right. I don't know, but that's yeah, it all runs together. Yeah, but no, it's good times. And good then I times. guess another uh, match I really remember when I was younger was the the Savage and Steamboat feud when. Uh, Savage crushed uh, or crushed Steamboat's larynx or windpipe oh, yeah, or whatever with, with, the bell? with the bell and across the uh, security railing. Uh, you probably could not convince me otherwise. I completely thought that was uh, that's actually what was going on. Oh, so here's a, <laughs> another fun fact for you on me and my fandom is I want to say the date was August 21st. It, it was right around the 21st. It, the 
reason I remember that date specifically is we moved, as a kid, we moved to a new house on August 21st, 1997. Well, we... Growing up, we always had family home videos that we always recorded, and little Johnny Cadillac as a kid was he was something else. So we're we're saying goodbye to this house we're getting ready to move out of, and we're about to say hello to this new house we're moving into, and we're still at the old house. And little Johnny Cadillac comes on camera and says, three years ago, Hulk Hogan broke his leg." <laughs> <laughs> like somehow I remember the date as a young kid. I was so 1997. I just turned eight years old. And I remember that three years ago prior, probably on that date. I, all I remember now is somebody like did a chop block on Hogan from behind and they probably killed him off for like the rest of the summer into the fall. He was probably doing like thunder in paradise or something at that point. Mr. But, Nanny. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like three years ago, Hulk Hogan broke his leg. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Oh man, I fun. I it's I, weird. They're little things you remember like that. Oh yeah. Well, and I only know of me saying that because I've seen that home video a number of times <laughs> since then. Like not any time in recent memories, but you know that's the thing. You record those old fi- family home videos. The next thing you do is watch them. So, um. Okay. So as a fan though, growing up, who was who was uh the favorite wrestler? Who's your earliest favorite wrestler that you remember having? Earliest favorite was probably Ricky Steamboat. Okay. And then uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Sting. Those were probably uh, my favorites. Okay. So let's, let's complete it then. Of of your fandom uh, throughout the years, of, of your fandom alone, who's your Mount Rushmore? Not necessarily the biggest names, but of your fandom. Who's, would, would you have Savage, Sting, and Steamboat all as three of the four? Probably, and then uh, now I'd say probably throw Rick Rude in there. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, at the time, I didn't like him because he was such a, a great heel. But now looking back, I mean, that guy, he had it all. No, and He had the look. He could wrestle. You know, he uh, he knew how to work the crowd, get the heat. You know, he could work a great match. You know, he had those great ones with Steamboat. Yeah. And then he, he made the Warrior look good. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... Me, like I'd say probably those four. And, and similar to Rick Rude, similar to what you said for me, I don't really remember as a fan growing up pinpoint liking him specifically. But then looking back after, it was something about him that I always said made him be one of, if not my all-time favorite legends. Well, now the people who I wouldn't have considered legends at the time are definitely legends now, like Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. But one of my favorites always, like, looking back, was Mr. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I was just going to mention him, too, because, like, like, growing up, I couldn't stand the guy. He was cocky. He was arrogant. Uh, Him and his feud with uh, Bret Hart. I mean, I was always pulling for Bret Hart for those, but looking back, like, perfect. You know, he had it all, too. He was probably one of the best wrestler, technical wrestlers of all time. I mean, yeah. And if I had, you know... A twentieth of his skill, you know, I'd be set for life. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. Like to this day, I can never see a fisherman suplex without thinking of a perfect flex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing I also really liked about him was his theme music. Um, I, I mean, I have, and that's what where I, I actually up, catch myself whistling it quite a bit. Oh, me too. I'll be bored or just doing something around the house. I just start whistling, and it's like <laughs> I'm doing Mister Perfect's theme. All right, and I think that's why, like. Especially when they went from Michael McGillicuddy to Curtis Axel. I mean, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of his in-ring work. I wish he would have had more of a chance in WWE. But the, he stuck out to me just because he was Mr. Perfect's son. Mm-hmm. I met him at Fan Access going into WrestleMania 
28, I believe, and I got to tell him uh, how much he meant to me, like, or uh, that his dad meant to me, which meant the world to Curtis Axel. And yeah. I think yeah, at the time he was still Michael McGillicuddy. And I said, yeah, your dad's my all-time favorite legend. And he legitimately, like, it wasn't, he probably does hear it a lot, but he still was like, thank you. That yeah. that really means a lot to me. And I could tell it was sincere. And, uh, but yeah, I just, something about Mr. Perfect, it was, well, it was, it was I, not to, another guy I liked growing up that I feel like I'm in the minority of, but I always liked Lex Luger. But to steal a moniker of his, Mr. Perfect, in a lot of ways, was also the total package of just looking back of what I mm-hmm. liked about him so much. I just wish, you know, and then you, I say those two names, and then I'm like, oh, they had a WrestleMania match against each other. I just wish that their <laughs> WrestleMania 9 match could have been better than it actually was. <laughs> I'm sure they had some good house show matches or something before that. I just didn't pull it off at WrestleMania. Yeah, but, you know, it happens. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, so fun fact. Um, we'll kind of skip I love that. how you're full of fun facts. Oh, that's true. I don't even think. <laughs> I, I love fun facts. I say that phrase all the time. And, I mean, to you, they probably do sound fun. So. But fun fact. That's uh, always clickbait for me. I see fun facts or interesting facts, and I, I, I can't resist. I discovered this the same night that we started talking about you coming and making your uh, Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast debut, coming onto the show. I, I needed to reiterate that because if I just left it as you coming, that sounds a little wrong. Exciting. About a guy whose name is VD. So like, (laughs) but I digress. So the very first show, I found this out a few weeks ago. The very first show I ever ring announced was for a group called MWA. It was the first and only time I've ever ring announced a steel or worked a steel cage match featuring this guy named Brian Blade against Mm -hmm. another guy, the champion at the time who who put Brian over was uh, Big Hoss, was Big Hoss yep. inside a steel cage at the at the Lancaster Event Center, the only time uh-huh. I've ever worked at the Lancaster Event Center. And uh, it was a whole new new thing for me. I'd never been to an MWA show prior to that. Um, I'd never ring announced prior to that. And it was, it was a guy who I had the pleasure of firing years later named Kid <laughs> Kamikaze, who got me involved in the first place. Now, do and, you know you were the ring announcer there? Was the steel cage planned? Was that the original plan from the get-go for like the big match with Big I, Hoss I, and Brian Blade? I was Blade? always seeing the flyers because like I was friends with Kid Kamikaze, and he was posting the flyers for weeks and if not you know a month or two prior to that. And it did say okay. Brian Blade, Big well, Hoss, and Steel the, Cage. The reason I ask is because I went to the previous show. I had taken my kids, and okay. uh, my brother went to a few of them with me. 
We were we were going to all the uh, MWA shows at the Lancaster Event and Center. That's what I was going to say. Is uh, for the fun fact is you were at my first yes, my yes. first ever show yep. working as a fan. Yep. Uh, and there was the the big feud with Big Hoss and Brian Blade. And at the end, I Brian Blade met, mentioned something about what kind of match should we have to finish this. And he was like naming off some different matches that he wanted to have. And my brother and I started chanting Steel Cage. And the look he sort of, like, he gave us a look, like, no, 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 we're not doing a Steel Cage. <laughs> but we kept chanting Steel Cage, and then more people started chanting Steel Cage. And I don't know if he just gave in or if that was the plan from the beginning. And he's like, all right, Steel Cage. Oh, okay. And then we went nuts, and sure enough, next show, Steel Cage. And that might have been one of the scariest Steel Cages I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's to this day is the only steel cage I've ever seen that still had leaves on it. Leaves I, and vines, and yeah, it looked I, like they had just pulled it out of the field. I was just because you know they kept the, the cage walls like kind of away. From, that was a big venue for what we had. Yeah, and they they had the cage off to the side, and I remember ring announcing, and I, every once in a while I'd look back at the cage walls, and I'm like, what in the world am I in for tonight? <laughs> like, and then I just remember trying to get in that in that cage to ring announce that match trying to figure out how I'm going to ring announce a cage match main event where like, I wish you would have climbed over. It was a blood feud. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then get out of the the cage in time for the match to start. And because like you had to almost take down an entire wall. Yeah. They move the entire wall over just to get me in and out of the cage and the wrestlers in and out of the cage. And, uh, it was, Oh man, that, that night was something else, but I, I was impressed with the, uh, well, close to the finish, Big Hoss did do a moonsault. Which is the only the only three things I remember about that cage match, the match itself, is Brian Blade bleeding, mm-hmm. Brian Blade winning, and Big Hoss doing a moonsault. Yep, that was pretty impressive. I don't remember how... He was probably, what, 6'5"? And, and like 500 pounds, it, I want to say. So. I, I wouldn't doubt it. He was a big guy, but he could move. Still is. I mean, yeah. he, he's not dead. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> Well, when I saw him, he was big. Yeah. So, but and now is that the last time you've ever seen a big Hoss match or been a part of a big Hoss match? Have you ever worked with him or anything? I have never worked with him. No. Okay. And I, know, I think that might have been the last time I saw him because his his health was kind of declining at the time, and I'd worked one show with him after that. That was like a year or two later. Like, let's put it this way: if I if I ever, I'm assuming I'll see him again at some point, and you know, if I introduce myself, I don't think he's gonna remember who I am. Um, like from the two times I've worked with him yeah. and, you know, and shout out to, uh, to, uh, our good friend, referee, Chad Peters and is, <laughs> and kind of how I definitely how I was at the time, because like how I am as a ring announcer now, I would have never pictured back then. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not your conventional, especially in Lincoln. I'm not your conventional <laughs> ring announcer by any means. And, um, most don't insult the fans. That's I was gonna say. That's <laughs> not tr- me trying to put myself over. It's just me, like honestly stating facts. Is I'm not the conventional ring announcer, and that's, and not a, uh, not all ring announcers are generous enough to buy drinks for everybody in the venue. Uh, no Cancel your credit cards. <laughs> oh, I already have. But um, no, anyway. So, but I want to give a, a shout out to to our our good friend referee Chad Peters. Because we talked about who uh, ref my first PWP match. There you go. That's fun fact. There. Fun fact. Fun fact from you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, but him and I have talked, and we hang out quite a bit. And he he's told me, 
you know, because he he pays attention very much so the like the wrestling he watches, especially indie shows. He pays attention to the ref work, mm-hmm. and well, and he is a uh, wrestling encyclopedia. He's followed indies all over the oh, country, yeah. oh yeah, uh, particularly L.A. and stuff like yeah. that. You know, he hung out and talked to a lot of these guys. But yeah, he's totally in a wrestling encyclopedia. But one one line that he will he will say, and he takes pride in saying this, is if he was doing his job correctly as a referee, you wouldn't even notice that he's there. And so, like, my early days ring announcing it would have been the same way. Like, um, I don't think anything would have stood out about me as a young ring announcer to Big Hoss for him to know <laughs> or remember who Johnny Cadillac is. Yeah, you probably don't uh, think about a wrestler remembering a couple things from the show, whether it's Big Power Slam or the, the very nice ring announcer that uh, was doing his first show. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, so, I mean... And I'm assuming I, I'm assuming I know the answer. Full disclosure, <laughs> there wasn't anything about the ring announcer that stood out to you that night, right? Like, you know, the only thing I really remember about that match or that night was uh, the big Haas moonsault in the steel cage okay. and uh, how rough that steel cage looked. I mean, there's there's actually a number of things I remember from that show. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I remember there was a, a manager that came in and cut a promo at the very beginning of the show, Benjamin something. Okay. Um, who actually refed or managed Big Hoss in that main event. Okay. Uh, him and Lisa Leathers were both yep, managers that's right. for him. Yeah, that's right. He had um, two managers. And uh, I don't remember his, his name. I remember because I only seen him like one time after that. And it was actually at a WWE show. And he he got a job working that show as like an extra or something. So he was like handing out things in the audience, like like the Cesaro section or those kind of signs. And I remember I, I came up to him by his gimmick name, and he clearly didn't remember or know who I was, but I was just like, oh, this is my kind of little mark-out moment. <laughs> like, we work together. <laughs> and like, But now I don't remember him, so I'm not marking out at all, right? Yeah. But like, So I remember he cut a promo at the beginning of the show, because I remember, I remember I was as a ring announcer, I was kind of studying his work, because I didn't know like what side of the ring to talk to the crowd in. Like, we had fans. I don't think we had it on all four sides, but three sides for sure. And I'd watch as he circled around in the ring, just talking to any which mm-hmm. side of the crowd. And I no was like, set hard cam or anything. Yeah, at that time. But I mean, now I kind of try to. And you know, in our Lincoln shows, we do have what we use for a hard cam yep. now, so it's easier to adjust. And in TAPW, we have a hard cam there too. Um, so like, a thing or two has changed with my ring announcing <laughs> over the six and a half years I've done this, to say the least. But um, so I remember the very first match that I ring announced um, had Purple in it. Purple won the match. He was a lot. I remember seeing Purple there. Um, and because I I've known Purple for years, and so I I knew him from from a previous group prior to then, and then I, I knew he was involved in the indie since then. So he he, I think that's the only time I've ever worked with Purple in an MWA setting. Uh, ho- I want to say Red Wing wrestled there he was too. supposed to that was okay. another thing i remember he was on the flyer and everything he was supposed to wrestle but then he had contractual obligations from another promotion okay. he was scheduled for that night that he actually had a contract with so he couldn't make it i think it was like former wwe star uh ricky ortiz was supposed to work the show too and he didn't he didn't make it i want to say it was ricky ortiz but i could be wrong on that um but the the other couple things i remember there's somebody in the locker room who well, this wouldn't make any any difference to you. There's somebody in the locker room who had just worked Abyss, 
at like a, for a previous group like the day before, but I don't remember who that was. Um, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to be able to tell? Me. I do know uh, Willie Sweet was on that card. I, I wasn't familiar with him at the time, and I, so something about his candy gimmick or something that obviously stuck out to me, and mm-hmm. uh, that I remember he was on the card. I couldn't tell you who he wrestled. Um, one name that I remember seeing from previous Magnum shows I went to, who was on the card, was Hype Gotti. Again, yeah. I- okay, I do remember him now because uh, during the Brian Blade Big Hoss match, he came over and was actually standing next to us, and he, he told me beforehand, he's like, "Hey, get your camera ready." You're gonna to want to record uh, this. Wait, did you record the moonsault? I recorded the moonsault. Oh, I've okay. got. I, it might be on Facebook somewhere, or it's somewhere in my phone, or. So I remember about Hype Gotti specifically. This is a, actually the only time I've ever met him was that show, and um, and he he didn't he arrived there early, but not as early as like when I got there or whatever. And I'm new to ring announcing in general, so Brian Blade's giving me everybody's information ahead of time. But Brian Blade doesn't necessarily remember everyone's information. So he's given me this actual information. He's like, all right, Hype Gotti, he's from, I want to say it was like Bellevue, Nebraska. And uh, say he, he weighs 204 pounds and and everything. So Hype Gotti, he's working babyface in his match that night. Again, couldn't tell you who his opponent was. I do know it was the last match before intermission. So during his entrance, I say, from Bellevue, Nebraska, he goes, No! Lincoln. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Weighing in at 204 pounds. No, 206 pounds. I'm like, well, what I had a hot dog. Is what happens when I give an information. But it was, it was, those were important things to him because he, he was working babyface, so he wanted to be that hometown favorite. Mm-hmm. So it had to be Lincoln. And it had to be 206 pounds because he was one pound heavier than the cruiserweights in WWE. <laughs> so he had to be one pound heavier than 205. So it was 206. And, uh, but I remember, and then he had me like redo his introduction with the, the correct stats. Now, what did blade tell you about me? And, uh, Oh, we'll get there, but you were not, <laughs> he didn't tell you me anything about you at that show. Well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I want you to introduce this fan who brought his yeah. kids or whatever. <laughs> but and no. bought a couple Sin Cara masks <laughs> from me. <laughs> But um, anyway, no, and so I, I remember during intermission, I, I, I apologized to him and because and, and, I'm beating myself up over this. Like, it's my first time ring announcing. I want to make an impression. So I'm, in a sense, a perfectionist. And if I'm making a mistake, I'm taking it home with me. And he goes, no, it's fine. You're doing a good job. You did a good job. You just didn't know my information. Yeah. I d- d- didn't get the chance to give it to you, and you were told wrong, but... It is what it is. So he made me feel better for my what I thought was my mistakes. Yeah. And, um, well, it's not as bad as my first match or oh, yeah? as a referee that uh, that did not go well. That's well, okay. Uh, let's let's talk. First of all, I will tell you. Um, so to answer your question, and then we'll we'll go further back in the history book, so to speak. All right. But it was the first time I ever worked with you was last year's MWA Rumble. Yep. And Brian Blade and I are discussing the names and the entry order and everything. And he goes, all right, um, next up, we'll we'll put in, his name is Vic Douglas, but make sure to say VD, Vic Douglas. You know, it's like venereal disease, but... Very delicious. It's Vic Douglas. Very disappointing. That's, 
He didn't say very disappointing. He didn't say very delicious. That's My how... performance that night was very disappointing. <laughs> I think I was number 17, and I was eliminated with uh, by number 18. Oh, man. Was that your only match that night, too? That was my oh. only night. I, uh, I felt horrible. I had a bunch of friends and coworkers show up for that. And I was like, yeah, I'm in the big rumble. And, uh, yeah, 30 people show up to watch 27 me. 27 people were in that match. Yeah, well, I'm saying like 30 people showed oh, up from to work watch to yeah. watch me. <laughs> it's my fans. my Lincoln debut, and uh, I'm 17, and I get eliminated by number 18. So it was not uh, not a good oh, showing. Man. How was that trip back to Walla Walla, Washington after that night? Like, uh, long. I mean, you, uh, clearly you have disappointing. Connections that you I listen. A- yeah, I listen to a lot of uh, self help tapes on oh, the way home. Okay. Some self help podcasts. But yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, because I remember, did you go into that night specifically thinking that the Rumble was going to be the main event match? Because I certainly did. I was not expecting it to be the first match. Uh, I honestly had no idea. I just knew I was there for the Rumble, and I figured they'd tell me when it was going to be. But uh, I'm glad it was the first match. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because that venue did not have the biggest locker room. Yeah, and that that was the intention of why the Rumble was first match. Yes. Full disclosure: we have a Rumble coming up again. Probably going to be the first match of that show too, for the same reason. But um, no, and I, um, but I was thinking otherwise. Yeah, main event, and then I quickly found out otherwise. And yeah, I think our uh, locker room for that show was like uh, a ten by ten room. Like it was not big at all. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so uh, I, because I'm going to call out his flaws anytime I get the chance. Um, I remember specifically that it was a 27-man rumble, um, you know, because I wrote down all 27 yep. names, the entry order and everything. Um, it was a 27-man. So $2,700 went from the MWA locker room alone. And then MWA, I think I butchered the amount. I think I said that MWA provided $2,300. So <laughs> whoever was walking out was walking out with, like, $5,000. Mm-hmm. And then it was it was definitely way less money. It was like found out later on, but as a ring announcer, I induced it as $5,000, and and I said, you know, MWA, and some of the big heads at MWA were seeing me do this, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, you're so, just rounding up. Yeah, I, I it, they worked out a deal with the, the winner that, you know, hey, Johnny Cadillac misunderstood the number we told him, so <laughs> it worked, and so it didn't cost them as much money as they were thinking. Yeah, so if you want to hit somebody, go hit Cadillac. It, it, worked, it worked out in the end. Well, and that, and like, you know, uh, between... Uh, Cornusker Social Hall, where we were at at the time, Hubby's Timeout Bar that we did our after parties after. Afterwards, they they the venue helped provide some of the money for the the winning. Yeah, and then I think it was Hubby's provided the the entry fee for Mister Fitness too. That was that was a big deal too. So it cost twenty five people, yourself included, a hundred dollars each. I paid for the sieve to get in. Unfortunately, <laughs> that no good Christian Temple eventually had the best of the sieve. And then Mr. Fitness 2, his entry was paid for by Hubby's. But now you got my entry fee, correct? Hold on, oh, I'm getting there. Okay. But um anyway, but I the reason I bring all this up is Christian Temple thinks he's entitled to cut a promo on me now getting ready for this upcoming MWA Rumble. And he said 34 people were in it last year and I was like, "No." No, it was 27 people. I know this specifically. So one of the many flaws of Christian Temple that people just don't realize here. I guess, yeah, let's go ahead and say breaking news now. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the first time this announced. 
that I did indeed receive your entry fee. Vic Douglas, you are in the 2024 MWA Rumble match. And I promise officially. a better showing this year. There we go. So once once this podcast is posted, I'm going to share it on my Facebook page like I always do. But we've got to get the listeners in. Big announcement. You're in the Rumble. And so. I actually uh, paid a little bit more because those uh, back rub coupons are worth more than $100. Oh. If you go by the current rate of uh, massages these days, you know, I've always, that's, uh, that's, that's more than $100. And I've always been a fan of you. I'm a full disclosure. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't let it... Is it the massages? I, well, or? It was like, so from the get-go, remember, I put you and Captivating Alan Lyric in the, this match with Kenny Zombie Jones. Yes, yes. Fully expecting that you, one of you two was going to end his... Uh, his MWA career. That, that was the plan. Um, I will not hold it against either one of you two for the fact. Cause there's def- I blame Alan Lyric. There was definitely communication errors and mm-hmm. issues between the two of you. No, well, there was and- communication errors with him. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And, I was doing my job. But everybody knows that Captivating Alan Lyric is still my friend. And Vic Douglas, we are friends too. Like, we had a very sincere group hug before the match and that, as if I didn't have any bias whatsoever going into that match. I don't think you did at all, no. Ob- obviously not. But, okay, so you were at my first MWA show, pulling back the curtain again. Yep. And um, as a fan, and then... To my understanding, did you did you think like wrestling as a wrestler was in your future at this point? Uh, I don't think so at that time. I was just uh, I think fairly new to Lincoln. Been been in Lincoln for a few years because I took my kids, so my kids were probably six and four at no. the time or something like that. Before moving out to Walla Walla, Washington. before moving to Walla Walla, yes, okay. I've relocated. It's better weather. <laughs> But um, but no, I don't. I wasn't thinking about it at the time, and probably at the time it wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been the best time. So, so how how did you end up getting involved? Like, what's your story there? Uh, so like I said, you know, wrestling fan since as long as I can remember. I started going to other indie shows in the area, uh, a lot of PWP, in uh, at the waiting room in Omaha, and would go with some friends, and just kept getting more into it and more into it, and. <clears throat> Finally, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I've always wanted to do this. I'm sure I can. I mean, I've always been a good athlete. Like, I could do anything, play any sport. I was never great at any of them. Okay. But I could, I could play. Other than pro wrestling. Other than pro. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm great. I'm getting, well, I'm working on being slightly above average. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Step aside, Mike Sanders. Yes. <laughs> There's a, old, a random WCW yeah, shout-out wow. right there. <laughs> So yeah, above going to average, Mike. <laughs> the natural born thrillers. Anyway, keep going. Slightly above average, depending on where you're measuring from. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started go. I was going to a bunch of PWP shows, and I kept thinking, man, I, I, I at first just wanted to get involved somehow, and uh, it was a, a Hall of Fame show with the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and Donnie Dodge was there, and I struck up a conversation with him. We were talking about the displays and stuff like that. And he told me about his, uh, his wrestling career. And I was like, Hey, uh, how do I, how do I get involved in this? I want to start doing this. Is there a school or something I can go to this or that? And at the time there were no schools. And he's like, well, here, I will introduce you to a few guys after the show. And, uh, they'll let you know what's, you know, what to do, and what's going on. So I, Kept going to shows, but I was started working ring crew and stuff like that, and we would have uh, ring time before. Uh, 
you know, some of the guys would show me basic moves, how to take bumps, run right. the rope, stuff like that. And just kept doing it month after month. And it was only one time a month, you know, every show. And then, you know, I'd help with ring crew and do all that. And then hang out with my friends after the show or during the show, since I wasn't involved directly. And then uh, I started doing uh, camera work and then sort of being like a backstage runner and helping out and stuff like that. And then, uh, then they threw me in uh, the striped shirt and I started refing. So, I mean, you've already alluded to it. What was it like your first time refing? So, I guess first time refing, I actually ref for uh, NLW up in South Sioux City. Uh, the match is, I think, the first match of the night. They were a brand new promotion. It was their first show, so they set up a right away a tournament for their their championship. And the first match was uh, Kados Kyle King against uh, Jossie. And I was the ref that night, first match, so I'm nervous as heck anyway. Yeah. Uh, I knew the finish, and I think I, it's been a while since I've watched the match because it's a little painful for how I screwed up, but I think it was a power bomb or something like that and went down, and I was told beforehand, you, your objective is to count to three every time. Like, you're not going to act, you're no hold up, or you're – you're counting to three. It's the wrestler's job to kick out. Yeah. And from what I could tell, Jossie didn't kick out. Watching the video, depending on where you're looking, it could have gone either way. But I, I, I messed it up. So I cut off their match. Uh, Jossie <laughs> was not happy. Uh, I remember Kyle King tried. He got on the mic and said something about maybe restarting the match. He, he said that he uh, thought Jossie kicked out. But I was, like, as soon as it happened, I knew that I had screwed up because I already called for the bell. And I'm like, I just got to, you know, I messed up. I got to get out of here. Went to the back. Jossie came up and uh, talked to me. (laughs) He was not happy. I I tried to smooth it over. I I bought him a drink afterwards. And, you know, he said, hey, you know, it's just, it's your first time. He's after, after he cooled down. He's like, you know, your first time. I get it. Just, uh, you know, we travel for these. We want to put on a show. We're trying to, especially with a new promotion, we're trying to get over with new fans and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he was mad that he, he lost some of his time. So, so that was... Uh, so, what, it was the right outcome, just not right outcome, the just right outcome, just not at the right time. Okay. So, so the promoter was, they were, they got why Jossie was upset and... Why Kados was a little bummed, but uh, he's like, hey, it all worked out. At least the right guy won. Yeah, because I was like, so. that would have been awkward to start that round two match <laughs> then if the match has changed yep. and what was planned. <laughs> yep. And then I had a little uh, snafu in my first PWP ref, or match as a ref, uh, at the, the waiting room where they have their ring. There's like a six to eight inch gap between the stage where the wrestlers come out oh, okay. and the ring. In my first match, I was to run out there because it, the match was, it was, you know, a, what they call a, a Pearl Harbor start or whatever, a jump start. And I ran from the backstage to get into the ring and I misjudged my step and my foot went right down between that gap. Oh, no. So I, I biffed it into the ring. Luckily, I caught myself and didn't go all the way down. That could have been bad. So. Yeah. In all sorts of ways, it could have been uh, bad. Not everybody caught it. I talked to some people afterwards, and they said, oh, I didn't notice. And, like, I asked one of my friends that was there, and they're like, did you notice what happened? And they're like, no, we didn't see it. And, but then the guy sitting next to him was like, oh, yeah, I saw it. That looked bad. And I was like, all right. 
So, but I think those are the only uh, the snafus I've had as far as refing goes. So, so but how, that's all behind me now. Well, how long were you refing before you you started wrestling? I mean, I'm assuming uh, you started getting the itch more and more. Yeah, I think I refed the first eight or nine shows for uh, NLW, and then I refed for about a year, I think, with PWP before uh, I finally lost it with Purple. And oh. uh, gave him one, knocked him, uh, knocked him down with a closed fist. Was this during a match or was it post match? This was post match. Okay. He he had been uh, getting on my case for a while and pushing me and slapping me, and finally I had enough and uh, I punched him and knocked him down. After he uh, lost to uh, my future tag partner Luke Luna. <coughs> uh, I'm assuming this didn't start your tag team with Luke Luna. No, at that no, point, nope, right? not at that time, no. But uh, Chris, the promoter for uh, PWP, was not uh, not happy that I punched one of his wrestlers, so oh. he he fired me. Okay. As a ref, but then immediately rehired me as a wrestler and set up my first match uh, with PWP against Purple. How'd that first match go? I beat him down. Oh yeah. Yep. He had the upper ta- the upper hand for a little bit, and he tried uh, cheating a little bit, and uh, it backfired. And I pinned him in the center of the ring. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so it's interesting for me because, like, to my understanding, Purple would never cheat. And if you don't believe me, ask Captivating Alan Lyric. Mr. Purple doesn't cheat, doesn't promote cheating. Xander McIntosh shouldn't be cheating. And uh, I don't know. It's but So you're saying Purple tried in your first match? Uh, Yeah, or maybe Xander had something to do with it, too. Okay. So, so Xander was involved at that point as yes, well. Yes, he was. Yes, okay. he was. Okay. So that, that backfired on him, and I got my first win. And then it was probably a little bit before I had him another win, so... All right, well, let's, I mean, I, it's no secret on this podcast, I've, I've been to one PWP show so far, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I want to... I have fun. I want to keep getting involved, you know, it, maybe if there's a spot for me to be even more involved, like, there, uh, otherwise I'll go, I will be missing the next PWP show on the account of I'm going to be in Miami, Florida, getting ready to set sail for the Jericho cruise the next day. I suppose so, if you're going to miss a show, that's a valid excuse. Yeah, Hanging so, out with Jericho. Yeah, it's like, I mean, as great as the... the and uh, one of the Bushwhackers, I hear. Bushwhacker Luke, yeah. Yes. Butch, Butch is no longer with us, but Luke is ready to rage with the best <laughs> of us and, and the Mountie. Well, <laughs> so, uh, the Bushwhacker would be uh, licking any armpits. I, I don't know. Like I don't I I keep my hair short, so I'm hoping he's not gonna start like licking the top of my head or something, but you never know. You never know. But um full disclosure, do not expect either Bushwhacker Luke or the Mount T to make a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble match. Like the WWE <laughs> Spoiler Royal alert. I'm I yeah, it's is, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Highly not. <laughs> and uh I'll just leave it at that. You know, there's a number of stars on the Jericho Cruise. Uh, full disclosure, I wouldn't expect the Ultimo Dragon <laughs> to be in the Royal Rumble either. <laughs> so, sorry, if you were wanting any of those three, Ultimo Dragon, the Mountie, yeah. or Bushwhacker Luke. If you had money on any of those guys Royal in Rumble Vegas. Match, yeah, um, as your Dark Horse favorite. <laughs> you know, Bushwhacker Luke, after it was 1991, still might have some redemption where he had the record for the longest time. Of yeah. Like, well, no, I guess the... Um, uh, War Warlord, 
I I always want to say Wardlow, but that's current days. <laughs> the Warlord actually had the record even more than Bushwhacker Luke. But I remember specifically in the Bushwhackers Hall of Fame speech that Bushwhacker Butch was mad because Luke was in there for like two seconds. He went in the <laughs> ring and was immediately thrown out on the other side. Butch wrestled for a good long time in there. And their paydays were exactly the same. <laughs> You're just paid for being in it. It doesn't matter how long. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. But anyway, so what I'm going at, though, is uh, I'm still new to a lot of PWP. Um, There's so a few it, guys that cross over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we share a locker room with several PWP talent in MWA. I've talked about, I, I've worked with, with Purple. Um, I've known Purple forever, um, you know, and then there's me as a, a fan at Magnum shows. See, like J.C. Slater and and some other names. So like, um, there, it's you know the current Rising Phoenix champion, J.C. Slater. Yep, yeah. Nebraska's a small state, and then for you to take the trip all the way out from Walla Walla, Washington, to do all these shows, the, people. Well, really, I've, got, I've got family here. I was gonna say they still need to admire your dedication for these shows, though, for sure. That's not an easy like it's one thing if you lived in like Iowa City, Iowa, but Walla Walla, Washington, that's that's a good several hundred miles away for sure. So it's a couple tanks of gas. <laughs> Even with the Kia. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Okay, so my, my point is, though, you, uh, um, you're, I, I'm newer to PWP. Mm-hmm. Um, and newer, but I'm still wanting to... You know, get involved in any which way I can, as I allude to already. I have nothing but love and respect for the product. And, I mean, I love pro wrestling. Yeah, That's same it. here. It all work and anywhere. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I get along with the guys in PWP. So hopefully there's a Johnny Cadillac PWP, even more connection at some point down the road. But let's hear more about your tenure with PWP. You've been doing PWP longer than MWA. Yep. Um. So let's... Uh, were you a single star for a while before you? Before uh, you yeah, I uh, yep singles first, and I don't think I had done a tag match until. Uh, well, I, I think I did one with Luke Luna, R.I.P. My uh, recently departed tag partner. Uh, I think we did one match against Purple and Xander, and then we uh, both had uh, big wins after that, and. PWP management decided that uh, we were next in line for a shot at the titles, the tag titles. And uh, <laughs> somehow we pulled it off against uh, Jack Darling and uh, Moonshine Russell. Oh, as Billy Peck almost introduced him as Jack Russell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were, were you there for, like, do you remember specifically I remember, Billy Peck I, saying that? Yeah, I remember Billy saying that, yeah. 
And I, I, I can say that on this podcast because he talked <laughs> yeah, about he, it. Yeah, he did. I, I listened to that. <laughs> but but okay. yeah, somehow we pulled it off. Uh, luckily for us, there was uh, uh, some trouble brewing within that, uh, within that group, and okay. we were able to take advantage of it. And so, yeah, I uh, want to then say, because it was announced around the time I was there, that you and Luke Luna, Tag Team of the Year in PWG, yes, correct? Yes, that, uh, that is crazy. For 2023. Uh, 2023, yes. Luke Luna and I were the PWP Tag Team of the Year. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Blows my mind. Uh, I'm thinking a few years back, I was just part of Ring Crew, and now I've been a, a Tag Team Champion. Uh, tag Team of the Year, I... Uh, I held the uh, Okamakan title for about 24 hours this last year, so that okay. was pretty cool. Okay. So one time I was uh, VD two belts. Oh, so. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, Instead of VD two shots, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, again, I'm newer to the product. Yep. Where did this bunny get involved? Uh, the bunny is, was, is, or was Luke Luna's... Uh, Inspiration, I guess. Maybe his muse, the one that okay. uh, talked him through everything, uh, helped him uh, helped him with his matches. And actually, uh, with PWP, Luke Luna, myself, and Lenny the Bunny were all tag champs. With the uh, a modification of the Freebird rule, we called it the Free Bunny rule. Okay. There was actually a couple times where it was just uh, the Bunny and I. Lenny and I defended the tag titles. And another uh, time, uh, Luke Luna and Lenny defended the tag titles, and Lenny actually had his own mini tag title. That's incredible. It is pretty awesome. That is incredible. And so, wow, um, I'm just picturing, and then and the fact that you're successful with yourself or Luke Luna and the Bunny as, yes. as a tag team, like uh, Lenny look. was uh, quite the competitor. He uh, he didn't hold back. He went out there and he cleaned house. So that's. Shout out to the bunny and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how how's things been with you and the bunny since? Uh, the bunny and I haven't uh, really been talking. He ever since uh, Luke was tragically uh, killed in the ring, that uh, the bunny no longer talks to anybody. Oh, so how have you been holding up since? Uh, since his killing, touch <laughs> touch and go. Uh, luckily, uh, Pat Powers has also had a feud with the family, so he's, uh, he stepped up. He's, uh, he told me that, uh, there's no, uh, no time for mourning and war, and that's, uh, we're at war with the family. Uh, we have another shot at the, uh, the titles coming up, uh, the 25th with PWP. Sorry that uh, I can't be there. Well, you're gonna you're gonna miss a match because we're going to uh, take those titles back. I actually pinned Con Artis in the middle of the ring. Yeah, this last show. And I was there for that. Honestly, yes. I thought it was an incredible tag team match that the four of you put on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, a bittersweet moment for sure because you get your entries into the the White Elephant Battle Royal, or whatever mm-hmm. it was called at the end. But you did not walk away as tag team no, champions we... when you thought you won the titles. What, what was that like for you guys? Uh, very disappointing. Uh, a bit of a, a boost for me since I pinned Con Artiste in the middle of the ring, like I said before. Uh, now I know for sure that I can go toe-to-toe with these guys and beat them. I, I've wrestled both Tank and Con Artiste in singles match. 
did not uh, turn out well for me. Uh, but yeah, with Pat, uh, I think we got a shot again, so I'm okay. looking forward to it. Okay, good deal. Well, best of luck. Thank you. Um, yeah, if if I wasn't in Miami, Florida at that time, <laughs> I would definitely be there because it. You keep bringing that up. It's like you're rubbing it in a little bit. It's not. It's but not, hey, that's okay. Tomorrow, uh, I I'm leaving for Vegas. So while you're dealing with the negative uh, fifteen degrees this weekend, I will have nice sunny skies and. Well, upper fifties and maybe low sixties. By the time everybody's listening to this episode, <laughs> I'll be back in the freezing you'll be weather. Getting yes. back because I, I think you travel back on Monday. Yeah, and yeah. So the day that this episode is dropping. Yep. yep. And uh, <laughs> so hopefully I've had a good time. Hopefully at, at that point you will talk about the good time you had in warm Las Vegas, uh-huh. and I'll be talking about how I managed to get through the very cold weekend mm-hmm. weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska. And maybe hopefully I'll have some wrestling stories to bring back. I'm trying to talk some people into possibly going to the uh, the TNA Impact uh, pay-per-view that's in Vegas this weekend. Oh, that's in Vegas. So that is. That's a huge deal, too, because that's going yes. back to TNA that yes, night. Yes, yes. And uh, So hopefully I can uh, talk to some people or maybe just sneak away on my own. And if I can't make that one, they are doing a uh, a taping the next day. Yep. So hopefully uh, I'll make one of them. Now, now speaking, you're, we're mentioning TNA here. Um, two two people that I th- feel like when they talk about the the history of TNA, uh, one of these names for sure doesn't ever get brought up, but who was there in the early days of TNA on and off, and then one who was a lot more active in the early days, but still he's not an AJ Styles, he's not a Christopher Daniels or Abyss or some of those big, like, you know, cornerstones of TNA as a company. Um, I am talking, of course, about Glenn Gilberty mm. and Conan, and I understand <laughs> you have some sort of story. Glenn Gilberty, of course, better known as the Disco Inferno, mm-hmm. and Conan, I understand you have some sort of story that you wanted to share on this podcast. Mm. Did uh, Chad Peters tell you about this? He, he, I, I, he said you'd need to mention the, the story. Conan. Okay, that's all I know. <laughs> I, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to hear this. All right. So uh, back in time, I believe the year was '99. Uh, there was WCW was in the area. They did a house show in Sioux City, Iowa, and then the next day they did Nitro. I think in Cedar Rapids. Okay. And I had tickets to both. Uh, I spent a little bit more for the house show because Nitro tickets were ridiculous. So I had I had good seats. I was probably I was right on the the aisle, probably about ten rows back from the ring. Okay. So I got to to high five the wrestlers as they came down. Uh, they were, you know, the first time I'd seen, I'd ever been to like uh, a, the big promotions like WCW or WWE, whatever. So those guys. They're a lot bigger in person, like when you finally see them. So I got to see some uh, good matches that night. But uh, one of the matches was Disco Inferno versus Conan. Uh, I was uh, with some friends, and there, and I was uh, junior, senior in high school, so I was maybe eighteen. And this is time. a house show. This is a house show. Okay. Yep. So not on TV. Uh, so I was with uh, some friends. And some people that I knew, I think, from my hometown were a couple rows or right behind us or something like that. Like, I, I had seen them around before. But anyway, so I, I can't drink, but they're, they're all drinking. 
because I'm underage at the time, but right. that, that changed. Uh, you're no longer underage. Well, yeah, I'm no longer underage, but uh, I was drinking soon after like oh. it, at that event. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, Disco Inferno came out first, and he came to his ring, and he was doing his doing his heel work. He probably insulted uh, Sioux City, Iowa, and did some stuff. And I don't know if you've ever been to – well, I'm sure you've been to parties and stuff like that or any gathering where – it's really loud, and you're talking really loud just so everyone can hear you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you'll say something stupid or embarrassing right as everything goes quiet and everybody hears you. Right. Oh, man. So I'm even further <laughs> on the edge of my seat now. So Disco's doing his thing, and everyone's booing, and he stops for a second talking, and for whatever reason, right at that time, the crowd went quiet, too. And I was yelling stuff before, but right at this time, I yell out, Disco, you can toss my salad. The place went nuts. Huge pop. Disco oh. played it off as well. Like He threw the mic down and started stomping around and pointing at me and stuff like that. And the place just popped. It was awesome. People were like high-fiving me. And like I said, now I'm drinking because people behind me are passing up oh. beers and stuff <laughs> like that. And so I'm not turning them down. Then Conan comes out, and he he's doing his his uh, his face stuff. He's on the mic doing his promo or whatever. And as he ends it, he says, "And like my homeboy said, you can toss my mother effing salad." <laughs> <laughs> the place pops again. I start laughing. People next to me are slapping me on the back, giving me high fives, and then more beers are being passed oh, towards man. me. So. <laughs> But it was it was just one of those things where when I yelled at Disco, the whole place went quiet. Everybody heard it. You know, he heard it for sure. <laughs> Big pop. Disc, or, and then Conan came out, and he, he went along with it. So that was awesome. And then after the match, he came down, and he gave me a high five. And he's like, that was awesome, dude. That was, you know. So, yeah, that's my, that's my Disco Inferno and uh, Conan story, I guess. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I... Uh... <laughs> I, I was thinking back, so it reminds me, I went up to Alaska a few years ago. Um, the pandemic was very much still go going on. It was very much so a thing. Um, but Alaska, you know, played a little safer. And they they still wanted wrestling shows to be a thing, despite the fact that there was a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And Alaska was one of the safer states. And so I went to a WrestlePro Alaska show, and one of the many talent that came in for that was Sammy Callahan. And, uh, now this is, uh, for those people who follow Tommy Dreamer extensively, this is that, that weekend of shows that got Tommy Dreamer really sick with COVID. Mm. I was sick with COVID. Um, and so many, a lot of us were, um, it was, but the shows themselves were still fun. And I remember there was, I'm just thankful we haven't had any more of the, uh, the six foot, uh, social distancing matches. Oh, oh. <laughs> shout out to Joe and Janella. The, the first couple were okay, but uh. but no. Um, anyway, so there was, and this show this is the last show of their tour specifically, and word had gotten out to the like every fan who walked in that night. They were told at the at the gate, "Hey, one of our wrestlers wrestled last night, has tested positive for COVID." If you want to come to the show and at your own risk. And a lot of us still did. Yeah. I was just, and I mean, full disclosure, because I, I ended that trip with COVID. They didn't realize it until after I was back, but I was starting to not feel well that night too. So like 
I definitely had it and just didn't realize it. And so I was making sure to wear my mask. But um, anyway, earlier in the night, I I met one of the wrestlers who was working that show, Sammy Callahan, trying to, you know, get connection, hopefully get him eventually booked in in MWA. And, uh, you know, the talks are there. Maybe we could see Sammy Callahan be involved sometime in the future. Anyway, he, he seemed up to it. And, uh, uh, I mean, and... Oh, Especially for that show in particular, the fans' meet and greets prior to the show wasn't as big, mm-hmm. just because everybody was concerned for our health and safety. Yeah, and so they they cut a, or no, so his opponent that night was Tommy Dreamer, and they're in the ring, they're getting ready to start their match, and Sammy Callahan says, "Hold on," and he leaves the ring and goes up to the where the the ticket people were, and they had a bottle of hand sanitizer on there. On their counter, and he starts cleaning his hands. There's a worldwide pr- pandemic going on. COVID is a thing. Yeah. You you want to think of like safety precautions. So I find at this moment somehow I started a safety first chant at this point, <laughs> and so I I was like, hey, come on guys, safety first. And so somehow the crowd started chanting safety first, and this is why. And anybody who watched Wrestle Pro Alaska like the uh, Facebook live shows. I think it might have been on Fight TV. Anybody who watched them at the time knows it started from me. <laughs> is because afterwards, uh, I, I'm doing a chant and kind of looking around, not feeling well, and I just look up and I have Sammy Callahan's hand in my face with the one bird salute, and, like flipping me off, and I'm like. Whoops, and that, that was one of, like, a couple times that I kind of pissed Sammy Callahan <laughs> off in that match. But it, I didn't mean for it to be a thing. It just, but, you know, it starts, you have to keep going. Yeah. And So I don't know if Toss, Toss's salad was a, <laughs> as a chant after after that moment for you, but uh, at, uh, during that show anyway. Yeah, but, well, that was definitely the uh, the coolest interaction I've had with the, the big leaguers, I guess. Well, so. and, I mean, so I've talked about the Jericho Cruise a couple times on this podcast, uh, full disclosure, both Conan and Disco Inferno were supposed to be on the first ever Jericho Cruise. Conan was. He hosted the Keeping It 100 with Conan podcast on there. Mm-hmm. Um, his guys, I didn't get a chance to meet Conan. I wish I did, but he was one of the few I did not get to meet. Disco Inferno was supposed to be there with Keeping It 100 as well. Didn't have a passport. Didn't <laughs> have like, and didn't have the documentation needed in time. So he ended up telling Jericho Just hanging out at the my, in day Miami. of... That he wasn't going to make it. He didn't know they needed a passport for a cruise. No, yeah. And like he his passport had expired. And like for those people who have a passport, it takes a while for it to come in. There's oh, yeah. no way you could rush ship disco a passport the day before the cruise. So he had they like, gave him a lot of crap throughout the Could have put him in some big there. luggage or something. Yeah. But like to the point that the the cruise ended the day we got off the ship for the very first Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea was on Halloween. So it was even more so a thing that the last night on that ship, a lot of people were in costumes. Dressed as the Disco Inferno? Well, Jericho <laughs> at the Fozzie concert was dressed as the Disco Inferno. He wore outlandish clothes, but more specifically, a fake big nose. And that was a Disco Inferno costume. <laughs> So it was, oh man, I, I can't ever think of Disco Inferno without thinking that story, but you have quite the story yourself. Um, I, and then also that night I got to see Sting beat Ric Flair, so that was, a, that was an oh, awesome experience. Oh, you were, okay. And that was, 
That was the house show. It was in Nebraska or was it in uh, Iowa? Sioux City, Iowa. Okay. Because I know they, they had a match. They wrestled at the Exarbon in Omaha at some point. I've never seen Sting wrestle a match in person. The only times I've ever been in a show that Sting was at. Well, I think the one time I went to an AEW Dynamite in Kansas City, he was there. He didn't wrestle, but he got involved. It was MJF was in a rivalry with Darby Allen at the time. And... uh so Sting got involved in that. Otherwise, the only times I've been there in person for anything Sting was involved with was Sting, Sting's Hall of Fame induction for WWE, and then the next night at WrestleMania where he came out and he had his own special entrance where he, he announced his retirement, yeah. which ended up not being the case, <laughs> but we'll be here soon. And uh, and I remember specifically that I had friends who were at that Exarbin show and because and, Sting said, I was born in Nebraska, like because Ric Flair was bashing on the Nebraska crowd, yep. and, and that's that Sting's how, uh, a member of the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Shout out to them. But um, the one other thing you kind of mentioned to me before we uh, before we start, and we're running low on time, but I want to bring it up. Um, so just a little bit. Tell me, I understand you have a love for action figures. And, <laughs> We can't not not talk about this. Uh, uh, I have yeah an obsession with action figures. Probably I probably have too many. Have you collected your entire life then? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had the old uh, LJN figures when uh, when I was younger. Oh, and, I guess you kind of mentioned that yeah. a little bit too. And then the it's cats. you know all the the masters the of the universe and cat. yep, uh, He Man figures, GI Joes, Ninja Turtles, all that stuff growing up, and then. Uh, once they started releasing more, uh, I I've kept buying them. I uh, actually uh, the mailman delivered uh, the Legends uh, WWE Legends uh, Andre the Giant figure today. Unfortunately, I didn't get the Chase, but I got the the regular one, so that's okay. good. Yeah, that's still, still uh, a good deal. Paul Bear came in the mail the other day, so huh. that's cool. Now I have the original Undertaker and Paul Bear figure. And uh, unlike you, I I do open them. I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a geek. I actually, my sons and I, uh, we do a little like I do it more. They they get into it every once in a while, but uh, uh, I pose them and have backdrops and do uh, action figure photography. Oh man! So and I like to, to mix it up. It's a bit of a multiverse. So I'll throw in. Uh, no, I've got figures of. Uh, you know, Mario or Batman or Masters of the Universe, Roger Rabbit, and I'll throw them all in one scene, and they'll they'll be doing something with wrestlers or the Muppets or something like that. So <laughs> that's my uh, my geek hobby, I guess. There you go. And so, okay, I, I guess I want to ask this to any other person, but I think you might know the answer for whatever reason. Do you know, do they have some sort of website out there that's like OnlyFans but for wrestling action figures? <laughs> I don't know if they have pay sites, but there's plenty of uh, Instagram and Facebook pages that I belong to that are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. Would and not then want uh, to pay I think for a, think a you uh, yeah, you say thing. I think you had another guest on here not too long ago that's also uh, involved with the action figure business as well. A little bit, yeah, just a little bit. Might work with uh, with a couple guys. Yeah. So there you go. Oh man! This Hi, is... Billy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so unlike Moose Monsoon, you'll at least give Billy a little more of a shout out there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
That's Billy Peck, everybody. Uh, shout out to Billy Peck. Good guy. I, I really like Billy Peck. I really enjoyed interviewing him on this show. I will just forever... Now, to Billy's credit, though, he did say where he did give me a little bit of credit for the fact I keep my figures in their, in their plastic prisons. Um, he did mention <laughs> it does take up a lot more space doing that. And, it, uh, it does, but I... Mine are taking up a lot of space now because even though I've got them opened, I don't have them all displayed. So I probably have, I'm probably pushing 30 uh, paper boxes, oh, man. like copy paper boxes in the, the basement full of figures. So What is your top one or two that come to mind immediately when I say your favorite figures you own? Oh, man. Uh, I One of the few that I have not opened yet, and I'm not sure if I will. I have a Defining Moments Macho Man Randy Savage figure, the one from WrestleMania 3, where he oh, uh, okay. dropped the Intercontinental title to uh, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I've got a couple of the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper as John Nada from They Live. Okay, that's That was always a, a favorite movie growing up, so those are pretty cool. Uh, let's see. As far as wrestling figures... I've got several Rick Rudes, as he's one of my favorites. Yeah, I mentioned him uh, on your Mount Rushmore. Yep. Uh, I think. And then uh, other figures, I, I collect, I'm i a big X-Men fan, comic guy, so I've got uh, close to probably all the Marvel Legends Wolverine figures. He's always been a favorite character, so I've got a ton of those. But uh, Yeah, I think those are probably the... The favorites. Now, one thing I haven't talked to you about, or I haven't talked to other podcast guests when we've talked about figures. I'm going to bring it up here. One type of toy, I, I shall say, that I did not see what the big thing was about them when they first started getting popular. And then they seemed to get grossly popular. <laughs> and I have a number of them myself, not nearly as many as most people I know. But are you into Pops figures, like the Funko Pops at all? I do have a lot of, well, I have quite a few Pops. Okay. Are they all out of their packages, too? Uh, they are in the boxes because it's easier to display in them. That's yeah. true. That's very I've true. I've probably got a stack two or three feet high above my book uh, bookcase. So, Including wrestling Pops? Uh, I've only, I've got, uh, I think, one or two wrestling pops left. Uh, I don't collect those as much just because I don't want to collect too many different, I guess, lines of different things. Uh, I think I've got Mean Gene and maybe a Macho Man or Andre the Giant okay. left. So. Well, up until like four months ago, now three months ago even, two months ago, this would have been a bigger deal, what I was about to say, but the very first, because I have a handful of pops about half of so, if not a little over half, are wrestling. I don't have a lot of Funko Pops myself. But the very first ever P Funko Pop I ever had, my, my best friend Mike Campbell bought it for me for like Christmas or something one year. Before he walked out of WWE with CM Punk. Now, I didn't see what the big deal was at the time, so I did take him out of his package. I didn't really play with it. Just yeah. Let out of the package. Well, he's back in his package now. Um, he's back in this plastic prison. He Where has he a, belongs. He has a little bit of breathing room because it, the box had been opened once yeah. before. But I was looking it up because it was still in really good shape because I didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And like prior to coming back to WWE, that was worth a lot of money. And now probably not as much because he came back. But <laughs> Yeah, most of the pops I collect are... Uh... 
it's just random movies and stuff like that I okay. like when I was a kid. You know, I've got all the Tombstone ones, the Princess Bride ones, uh, Golden Girls. I'm a huge Golden Girls fan as okay. well. Huh. Uh, and yeah, just random movies and stuff like that. All right. Well, VD Vic Douglas, this was a very delightful. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I, 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 I wanted to do a VD term there. Very delightful <laughs> episode. It was a lot of fun talking to you today. Well, at least you're not very disappointed. <laughs> not at all. Quite the opposite. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, you ever want me to come back? I will gladly do it. I know it's a bit of a trek coming back down to Lincoln from Walla Walla, Washington. I will make the trip. I appreciate I, uh, that. And maybe I, we need to do a. Uh, Action figure podcast to bring in Billy Peck and Billy the three Peck. of us can uh, talk action figures. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, that that'd be fun. Um, and if there's one person like, especially since he's done podcasting work, talking about <laughs> just that. So Billy Peck, if you're listening, uh, the challenge has now been thrown your way, not for a match, but for another podcast episode. I don't know if I'd call it a challenge, maybe an invite. Oh, a, a please come <laughs> over and play type thing. <laughs> I, I just I have wrestling in my brain. You have you have You've thrown down the action gauntlet. Figures in your brain. I have wrestling. Come talk action figures. <laughs> but no, that'd be a lot of fun. And yeah, I I do know a, a few collectors, so I, you know, we can have a conversation any which way. But that would be a lot of fun. And yes, I do want to have you back on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast because this was a lot of fun today. Hopefully the next time I'm in here, I uh, have some new hardware, the uh, PWP Tag Team Champions but, Championship. Uh, before then, um, you are in the MWA Rumble. That is correct. This Friday. Uh, this fri- by the time this episode yep. airs, this Friday. The 19th. Um, I do not know your entry number in the Rumble. You're not one or two. That's Christian Temple and Kenny's on the Those have been taken. Please. Please, and I've I've asked to see this and anybody else. I don't. I I know your goal would be to win. You're not putting in a hundred dollars of massages if uh, if that wasn't your goal. Mm-hmm. Um. So and you know, future title shot uh, is riding on this too. So you can walk away with a lot of money. So I understand that you know, your goal would be to to make it to the end, and I respect mm-hmm. that. But secondary please, goal would be please. to throw Ryan Romantic out. Okay, but if it's even a third and dairy goal or whatever that term would be, can you make sure that neither Kenny Zombie Jones or Christian Temple go the distance and walk out with that the arm raising victory? I'd really appreciate that. I'll do my best. All right. Vic Douglas, this was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Johnny Cadillac. This is another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with special guest VD Vic Douglas. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And until next time. We will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.